Welcome to the Saint podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our vision is to bring hope to the people of East London, and I'm praying that you would feel so encouraged by this week's talk. Today is Vision Sunday. And a couple of times a year, we take a moment in the life and the story of our community to make space to um, listen to what God uh, Patty, is calling Patty. us to do and to be as a community. What's the vision? Well, the vision is that we are one church meeting across multiple parishes with a really simple mission, to bring hope to the people of East London in Jesus' name. And this vision has a name and a face, Jesus. And I'm praying today that God will speak to you personally about how Jesus wants you to play your part in his adventure, what his plan is for your life, what his purpose is for you in this next season. So I I want you to think of today as like a family meeting. If you're here for the first time today, you are welcome at the family table. But this is something we do twice a year where it's like, you know, we, we, we talk about like what the family's up to, where we're going. And what I try and do practically is lay before the church like what our vision is, what we're being called to do, and where we're heading as a community. And I want to encourage you a couple of practical things that will really help you. Uh, Number one, we have a join-in card. Um, If you love writing, if you get bored at any point, you can start filling this in. A join-in card is like how you can get connected. And honestly, if you're here for the first time, just scribble on this like your email and say, hi, Al, Uh, I'd love to kind of connect. And we would love to invite you for like dinner or just like get to know you because we don't want you to be a stranger. So if you do nothing else, like jot down your details, someone will be in touch and make you feel welcome. And also we have a, a give card opportunity for those who want to be part of um, sewing into this vision and making it happen. Again, love you to think about how you might contribute. And what we do these two weeks, this week and next week, is we take up an offering towards the cost of this ministry, the cause of the vision that we're doing. And, uh, you know, God is so generous. Uh, he's providing for the needs of this community. And, and as the community grows, the need gets bigger. Uh, let me give you a little update. Last week, 1,037 uh, people attended church across our locations and online. I remember when it was like 137 people. feels like yesterday. Uh, it's so exciting seeing that growth and that God doing cool things. And just in the space of a few years, we've grown. We're just seeing new things happen and seeing what God's doing. is just kind of like running to catch up with what's happening. And as the life here grows, the mission and the ministry and the needs of what we do grows. So currently there are 307 people who give regularly across all our parishes. And the average amount given each month is around 130 pounds. That means those of you who give like on a regular basis. We're so grateful to you for your generosity. None of this would happen without you. Uh, And as we grow, what tends to happen is there's a shortfall, and we bring that shortfall to this community each, you know, every six months. And so um, my job is to kind of lay out the needs before you and let God provide. You know, we're not in the business of fundraising. Uh, We're chilled about this. If God wants us to do the stuff that we feel he's calling us to do, he will work it out. And as I often say, the reserves of the church are in your pockets. This is your ministry. This isn't God's, like, this is not like sort of like there's some vault down the back which God has all the money in. God's money is in your bank account. It's in your pockets. It's in my bank account. And so um, what I do each Vision Sunday is just lay out the needs as simply as I can. 
So running costs, if you look at the next six months, each month the gap between the costs of running what we're doing and the, the giving that comes in or the income that comes in is currently £21,000. So you pay that forward across six months, that's £126,000. That's the accountant's favourite moment of church. Like all year, if you're an accountant, you're sitting here waiting for this like, yep, logic working out 21000 times six months projected expenditure. I'm not an accountant, but we have an amazing finance team, amazing treasurers who work all this out. So we're praying that over this week and the next, God will provide in faith uh, that gap of £126,000 so we can keep going and keep doing all that we're called to do. And I want to encourage you today to think about how you might respond, um, either by starting to give regularly if you're not giving regularly, or by maybe increasing your regular gift if you feel called to like put fuel in the tank in this season. Or maybe by giving a one-off gift. Or even if you're a visitor today, normally on Sunday we take up an offering. Treat this as the offering. And if you want to put one pound in there, that's great. If you want to put 100,000 and 26,000 pounds in there, that'd be fantastic too. Whatever you feel called to do, that's great. So here, before we begin, um, again, particularly for those of you who might be new or trying to figure out what we're all about, I I wanted to share with you a bit of the story that we've come on as a church community. And have a little look at what's been happening over the last few years. And some of you are here for the first time today. That's incredible. But we're part of a story here that's been going on for, well, in some of these parishes like Leighton, who are joining us this morning. Leighton is in the Doomsday Book. How cool is that? Like in the Doomsday Book, there's the parish of Leighton doing its stuff, doing Vision Sunday and Gift Sunday and all this kind of stuff. But in the last few years, we've been part of seeing God do a new thing here, and every one of us is involved in that. So here's a little recap of the story so far. Let me tell you a story about hope. For over a thousand years, people have gathered in ancient churches across East London. Since the beginning, dangerous prayers, a people following Jesus, called to bring hope, to play their part. What's the vision? The vision is hope, hope for the people of East London. That's why we're here, to bring hope in each generation. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is a renaissance. Lives restored, churches revitalised, culture renewed, God making all things new, breathing on the dry bones, bringing the ancient ruins to life again, that every church would become a cathedral of creativity. We went back to our roots, brewing beer, keeping bees, making the city into a garden again. And things began to grow. When the pandemic hit, everything changed except our mission, hope. More urgent than ever before. So we opened our lives, our hearts like never before. In one year, we went from feeding 5,000 meals to feeding 300,000 meals. We've learned to take church to new people in new places. We've learned that the church is a place where we can hold together, even in the storms of life. In-person religious services were banned under COVID rules. Online services have been a revelation and are here to stay. We've seen amazing stories of people's lives being transformed by Jesus on Alpha. 
and we've learned that we're in this together. It's quite amazing. It's an amazing feeling. I just knew that this had to be truth, and I just had this overwhelming sense of like happiness and like everything was being lifted off me. Everyone welcome, coming as they are, playing their part. Youth, students, groups, school of life, seniors, we've grown together. Something happens when we come together in unity. We're stronger together than we are apart. Where there is unity, amazing things can happen. So we're working together to bring hope to our neighborhoods. One church, many parishes. One team, one dream. All with one vision to bring hope. Now we're over a thousand people meeting across six locations. New services being launched. Life returning to old places. And we're in this together. Every one of us playing our part in this adventure of hope. so far and it's only just beginning good things coming in Jesus' name amen it's so encouraging isn't it what god's doing jesus is doing amazing things here I wonder if you might have a, a moment to get a Bible out. If you have a phone with you, um, you are welcome to get it out and to turn with me if you have a Bible on that phone to John chapter 21, uh, verse 15. Don't panic. If you don't have one, we'll put the words up on the walls as well, so you're okay. Um, but first, I want to start with some personal news. I've taken up boxing. I know, I know, don't panic. <laughs> Basically, not like real boxing, like fitness boxing. I, I, I work out with a friend. I, I know it shows, um, but I want, I've been trying to keep fit. And my friend who I work out with is like super fit. And he said to me, no, we're going to take it to the next level. We are going to learn to do boxing together. And he knows what he's doing. And so he says, okay, Friday morning, literally two days ago, turn up. We're going to box together. And I'm like, great. No idea what to do. Uh, so I turn up and I've got these pads and boxing gloves. And he's got these like pads that you punch. Has anyone ever done that? Like super fun. And I'm like, you know, like getting all my aggression out and like all my to-do list. I'm like, rah, rah. And anyhow, I punch. And all I have to do is punch the bags like for ages. And he like, he holds his fists up and, and I hit his pad uh, and he absorbs the punch. And then he's like, right, that's great. We're going to take it to the next level. And he says, what you're going to do is you're going to like put your guard up and I'm going to punch you. I was like, whoa, we did not sign up for this. He says, don't worry. I'm going to go left and you're going to duck to the right and you're going to like then come back and punch me on the, on the pad and it's just going to make you move more as you box. I'm like, okay, that's fine. The problem is I'm dyslexic. So Liv will tell you, my wife will tell you, whenever Liv is like navigating in the car, she's like, turn left, I turn right automatically. So he's there and I'm there like this and he goes, okay, get ready, left. And instead of going to the right, I go to the left the wrong way. Instead of going to the right and basically every time he says go left, I do the opposite thing and I end up going into the punch rather than ducking away from the punch. And I'm like, bang! Oh, that's not much fun. Okay, we'll try again. Go right, oh, uh, bang, like this. And I'm thinking I'm not having much fun anymore. You know, it started out fun, but now I'm just getting hit in the face repeatedly, and I don't want to do this. The last 18 months, 
of my life can be summarized by how I feel on Friday morning at 10.15 when I'm being hit in the face because I keep going the wrong way. You know, if I'm honest with you, the last 18 months has felt full of like, go left, come out of lockdown, bang. Or like, oh, maybe you can get a, a, some time to go away on holiday. No, bang. Or, or maybe like school's going to start up again and then the kids are all home again and you're doing homeschooling again, bang. Or then you just think you're getting out of that hole you're in and you're getting to see people again and suddenly bang, the pandemic. Or bang, your health or your mental health lets you down and we're not having much fun anymore. Is that just me? Yeah, there's moments where I'm like, oh, just somebody please give us a break. Nobody please ask me to do anything until 2030. And then you turn up at church and it's Vision Sunday! Bang! <laughs> oh no, of all the Sundays to come, the church, the card, the giving cards, just leave me alone. Is it just me? I'm the vicar, right? If I'm thinking that, I don't know what you must be thinking. <laughs> Sorry. I wonder if you can relate to this. You know, I wonder if you've had challenges in your marriage, in your health, in your mental health, in the lives of your family, in your kids. Maybe you're suffering from anxiety. Maybe you're deeply tired. Maybe you're thinking, oh, you know, I love Jesus. It's so good to be in church, to be able to sing and worship, to be together. But somewhere, and you can't quite put your finger on it, there's this bit of you that's just really needing a break, that really needs somebody to say, hey, you know, just sit here and receive from God for a bit. And I, if I'm honest with you, I found myself asking God this question, you know, is this sort of um, just like, a place that I find myself in, and maybe you do as well, where we're just tired on the inside, spiritually. And maybe the fire has gone out. Maybe I'm losing the vision. Well, well here's the thing. I believe that today God wants to speak to each and every one of us again. To recommission you for the good and perfect plan he has for your life. You know, God has a purpose for your life. He has a plan. And the most important question you can ask is, how can I respond to what Jesus is doing in my moment? Amen? So would you look with me at John 21, verses 15 to 19? It's going to come up on the screens. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you, guys. Can we just give it up for our team at the back? Who, we no idea how you make it happen. So John 21, verses 15 to 19, it's after the resurrection and Peter has gone back to fishing. Let me give you the context here. The resurrection has happened. Peter had denied Jesus three times and he's gone back to the thing he used to do before Jesus called him. He's gone back to fishing. He was not a very successful fisherman. <laughs> we know in the Gospels first time around. And there again, he's not caught anything all night. He's been out on the water. And in the morning, Jesus appears to him on the shore of the beach and this is one of the most hopeful and powerful and beautiful and relevant part of the story that tired people like you and me, who deep down clearly need some kind of spiritual encounter with Jesus again, can hear. Look what happens next. Jesus says, hello, 
Have you caught anything? If there's one thing you never ask a fisherman, by the way, if you're cycling down the river Lee and you see someone fishing, never say to them, have you caught anything? Because they usually haven't. That's why they're still sitting there. So Jesus is like, hey, have you caught anything? And Peter's like, no. And Jesus is like, you know, I'll do the trick again, right? right? Try the other side. So Peter's like, okay, we'll try the other side, throws it, and there's a miraculous catch of fish, 153 fish. You know that fishermen were involved in writing the gospel when they detailed exactly how many fish were recorded. Only a fisherman would do that. And then they get the fish in the boat, and Peter suddenly at this moment, he's like, oh, da, 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 it's Jesus. I mean, it's familiar, right? It's back to the start of the story for him. When he was first called, was in that context of try the other side. Wow, miraculous catch. At that moment, Jesus calls to him, hey, and he runs. Peter runs into the water. The, the gospel in John records that he doesn't even put his clothes on. He just like dives into the water at that point and swims through the water towards Jesus on the beach. Does that remind you of a story? Somebody who'd messed up running into the arms of love? You see, it's the prodigal son, isn't it? And they're swimming this time towards Jesus through the water of chaos. And on the beach, he gets on the beach and Jesus is standing there and there's a charcoal fire. You know, the charcoal fire is only described twice in the Bible prior to this moment. Once was in the ceremonial worship of the life of the temple when you bring your offering to God and lift it up to heaven. A charcoal fire was required ceremonially. The second time a charcoal fire is detailed in the Bible is on the night that Jesus was betrayed. Peter is warming his hands over the charcoal fire. And they say to him, hey, Peter, aren't you one of the Jesus guys? No. Weren't you with him? Not me. Are you sure you're not one of Jesus' team? I'm sure I've seen you like on the website. Mm -mm, Not me. And now on the beach is Jesus. The third time we see a charcoal fire in Scripture and he's standing there. Peter's like, oh, I get it. And on the charcoal fire is bread. Jesus says to Peter, would you bring some fish? Where have we seen loaves and fishes before, people? It's what Jesus takes and he breaks and he feeds 5,000. And notice that Jesus And Peter sit there in total silence. You know, there's times when it's good to sit with God in total silence because God is reminding you of how far you've come. You see, what is happening in this moment is in the whole story of Peter being called, in walking with Jesus for three years, seeing God feed 5,000, seeing prodigals come running home, Jesus would have sat Peter at his feet and told him those stories over and over again. And suddenly Peter's gone back to his failure, gone back to his old life. And in this moment, Jesus plays Peter the highlight reel of his life. It's a little bit like if you're watching Line of Duty, previously on Line of Duty. It goes through the highlights package, the highlights reel. It's the show reel of three years of Peter's life. The prodigal, the calling, the feeding of 5,000, the denial, the worship there at Jesus' feet. And Peter is just silenced by God. You ever feel like that? And this conversation begins, we're going to pick up at verse 15. And Jesus is sitting there with Peter and they're eating the fish that Peter has brought. And let's read this together. When they had finished eating, you know, I want you to know that, Saint, we want you to eat well here. We want you to sit and eat with Jesus. We want you to lead out of a place of finishing eating. Jesus says to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, 
Notice that he's not Peter anymore, the rock, but just Simon, because he's living out of an old identity. So Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? You see, everything starts and ends with love. Jesus wants you to make him your first love. Nothing else really matters. He asks Peter, do you love me more than all of these? And he asks you and I today, do you love me more than all the noise, all the tiredness, all the hurt, all the fear, all the challenges? Do you love me more than these? And Peter replies, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And then notice what Jesus says. Jesus says to him, feed my lambs. Remember those words, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus, notice the words, says, take care of my sheep. Third time, he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And then that third time over that fire, suddenly the penny drops, Peter gets it. Three times he'd said, no, I don't know the guy. Three times Jesus is inviting him back into that relationship. And the penny drops and the flip flicker crosses Peter's face when he's deeply hurt. In fact, John goes to record verse 17. It says, Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? You know, the truth is sometimes we're going to get hurt. Sometimes we even get mad at God. I wonder whether you felt let down by him. Maybe you're here today and you've been let down by the church. I'm really sorry. And on that beach, Peter says, well, Lord, you know all things. You know it all. I can't hide from you. You know that I love you. And Jesus says a third time, notice the words, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you're younger, you dress yourself and went where you wanted. When you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would, follow, would glorify God. And then he said this to me, to him, to you and I today. Follow me. And bang, suddenly Peter is back in the game. Suddenly Peter is recommissioned and the rest is history. Four things that I believe God is saying to us as a church in this moment. Four things that I think are going to define our culture in the next season. And by the way, you know, the culture of the church is what leads to the vision of the church. We are not human doings. We're human beings. It's how we be that means God will be able to do through you and I. So I want to speak today about culture as much as I do about vision. First thing that Jesus says to us is now is the time to nurture the new, to nurture the new. Jesus says this, feed my lambs, verse 15. What's a lamb? I mean, like basic question, it's a baby sheep. You know, cute and like needy and runs around, doesn't really do much, needs feeding. Have you ever seen a lamb? They're super cute. Hackney City Farm, certain times of year, little lambs. All they do is look for food. That's all they need is love and food. 
I wonder if there's some things in your life that are new right now. I wonder if there's some things being birthed in your life today that God might be calling you to feed. You know, I look around, I see new people. It's amazing. We love you if you've just joined us these last few weeks after lockdown. You are so welcome. Maybe you're here for the first time. I want you to know that you're not here by accident, that God has a plan for your life. He loves you. He's got a purpose for you. That's why I love helping on Alpha. I can't wait for the next Alpha to start up 6th of October. We keep hearing these stories of lives being transformed on Alpha. They're the best stories. People coming to know Jesus. Maybe you're new here and you've never done Alpha. Can I encourage you? Come and do Alpha with me in October. It's going to be a blast. Last week, we launched Hey Baby. Hey Baby is like our work with like preschool people who wouldn't normally come to church, like under twos. And we opened our doors here for the first time for Hey Baby, and we had over 50 babies turn up. And the place was rammed with babies. They came with their parents, obviously, or their carers. It wasn't just like babies turning up out of the night. Uh, But this place was like a baby. It was like Ibiza for babies in here. It was insane. Uh, And we're launching Hey Baby tomorrow in West Ham. Good things are happening. Or I think of kids and youth, the kids right over the road right now, having an amazing time. Or youth, you know, the the youth have taken over St. Luke's (laughs) Homerton. They've got a service down there. It's it's huge. It's literally packed out with dozens and dozens of teenagers. I think they had 50 people down there last week. It's an absolute party. I was talking to some of our church wardens who've been around St. Luke's for a long time. And they were saying, this is what we've always wanted, is young people to come. We want to nurture what God is doing that's new. I love what Peter Atino said. Peter Atino is one of our most long-standing congregation members. You'll see a picture of him, hopefully, on the screens right now. Peter is married to Beryl. Uh, I'm Peter's fifth rector. That's, in other words, that that he's been around here so long that uh, he's just seen loads of things happen here over decades. And they've been so faithful. They've been part of this community, praying and encouraging people. And uh, Peter said this recently, and I wrote it down. It was so priceless. He said this, I'm getting older. I was once young, but now I have a walking stick. However, the church is getting younger, and I'm delighted. It's what we've always wanted. Then Peter turned, he was at our PCC meeting. He turned to our PC, he said, I commend this approach to you all when you're my age. And they all clapped and cheered. And can we just give thanks to God for people like Peter? That's what nurturing the new looks like. Jesus doing a new thing. The question for you and I is, will we feed that new thing? Will you feed his lambs? Because the truth is, whatever you feed in your life will grow. So we have a puppy. Uh, She's uh, eight months old now. She's called May. Here's a photo of her. This is um, her having destroyed the toy that I bought her that's in the background, this really expensive toy I bought her, I gave it to her, I turned my back on her, and two minutes later, she has ripped this thing apart. Okay, all she does, keep her up there, and she's not here, or else I'd do an altar call and try and get her saved. All she does is she eats, she sleeps, and she tries to bite me. That's basically her, like, her hobby, is like waiting till I come in the room, and she's like, tries to bite me. So she comes to us, and, and she arrives, and after a few weeks, um, uh, I take her to the vet for like a checkup. And I go to the vet, and, and the vet are like, wow, the vet's like, goodness me, your puppy has grown enormous in the last three weeks. What's been going on? 
It turns out that I had been feeding her double the quantity I was meant to be feeding her (laughs) because I'm dyslexic and I read the packet upside down. And so instead of giving her like 200 grams of dog food, I'm giving her like 400 grams of dog food. So this dog is like eating for Britain right now. I mean, now she's on a diet, poor thing, so pray for her. But the point is this, whatever you feed in your life, (laughs) it's going to grow. Whatever you feed in your life right now in this next season is going to grow. If you feed apathy, you grow cynicism. If you feed disunity, you grow division. If you feed faith, feed your faith, and God will grow hope and love for your life that will bring a fruit, a harvest that's everlasting. Amen? So I want to encourage you to help something grow in this season. Maybe it's being here in the room on a Sunday. You know, we miss you when you're not here. Because you make a difference. I was chatting with some friends, a couple of family who come to church here. Well, in fact, they didn't come to church here until after the last lockdown. And after the last lockdown, they started attending Saint for the first time. And I was talking to them, and uh, they'd said uh, before coming here that their attendance at church had been kind of really sporadic. They dipped in and out of church. They hadn't quite felt at home. Their kids hadn't quite felt at home. And I was so moved by what they said. They said, look, we're going to try and come every Sunday morning, come hell or high water. Whatever happens, we're going to turn down invitations, and we are going to be here because we feel in this season God wants us to invest in growing spiritually as a family. And so they've been coming every Sunday. I'm not going to embarrass them by revealing who they are, but I've watched in these months since lockdown lifted at the start of the summer how they've grown and their family and their kids have started to engage in church and in youth and in kids and watching the fruit of what happens when you start to invest in nurturing the new thing God is doing. It's remarkable. Can I encourage you? in this season of new rhythms, as we emerge, hopefully, from the pandemic over the year ahead, to make a priority of being in the room because it's going to feed your faith. You're going to nurture the new. And I'm so excited about what God's going to do through that. Second thing I believe God is saying to us today is to care, to care as a community. And Jesus says this, verse 16, take care of my sheep. Notice the word care. Uh, you know, the word care actually in the, in the, in the original language that's, that, that's recorded in the scripture, in the Greek, is the word that a shepherd would use to describe taking the flock to new pasture, taking them to a place where the ground was good, they were going to be safe, and they were going to grow. That's what the word in the Greek means. You know, right now, so many of us need good pasture, right? Our marriage is under pressure, mental health challenges, the challenge of learning how to adapt to seeing people again, to being in this new season. And Jesus cares for you. He doesn't want you to be on your own on the wrong side of the river, in the bad bit of the hill where there's no food. He wants you to be in good pasture. He wants to restore your soul. Maybe you're here today and you feel like a lost sheep. Maybe you like the, the one in the story Jesus tells about, the 99 and the one. Uh, it reminds you, Jesus cares so much about you that he would go after that one. And if you're here today, know that Jesus is passionate that you wouldn't leave here today without knowing that you are known by God and you're needed by God. God wants you to thrive, not just survive. He wants you to grow in your marriage, in your relationships, in your mental health, in your faith, in your workplace. He wants you to thrive. 
But here's the thing, and this is, this is crazy, but it's true. God, in this moment with Peter, is handing over the baton for being the shepherd. You know, up to then, Jesus is like, I'm the good shepherd. You guys are the sheep. At this point, Jesus is commissioning Peter. He says, look, if you love me, you're going to feed the sheep. And it didn't stop with Peter. Peter then spends his whole life convincing everyone else, go, go tend each other, love each other as God loves us. You see, you and I are the answer to Jesus' prayers today. Jesus is praying for you in heaven right now. You know that? He's at the right hand of the Father, interceding this Sunday morning for you right now, that you would take up the baton and love people. He's got a plan for the people of your neighborhood, people of your office, people of your household, your family, your block, your estate. And that plan is you. He's calling you to go, to feed his sheep. And I, whenever I hear this again, it blows my mind. You think, well, why would God be interested in me? Well, you know what? He is. He made you. He loves you. So let me encourage you that when you make coffee for someone at the back of church, you're making coffee on behalf of Jesus. When you invite someone into your home for dinner or for lunch or to your connect group, you're inviting someone into Jesus' home. When you invite someone to come and help on the marriage course or to host the marriage course or if you go on the marriage course, you're investing in your relationships so that God will be glorified in that place. The way you live and work. You know, the Hebrew word for worship and the Hebrew word for work is the same word. What you do in your workplace is a chance for you to give glory to God. When you do these things, you're inviting others to experience God's love and his care. And yeah, that's why we believe in the neighborhood, by the way. We're not trying to grow a really big mega church here. We're trying to build really, really strong and healthy local churches across the city. Because we believe when we do that, people encounter Jesus in their streets, in their homes, in their schools, in their neighborhoods. Amen? That's why we're here to bring hope to Homerton, to Hackney. That's why we're here to serve Shoreditch. That's why we're here to bring life to West Ham and love to Leighton. Because we believe in the neighborhood that God moves into the neighborhood through you. It's so exciting. In Leighton right now, I hope you can still hear me and you're doing okay. I'm sorry, it's a television, but in Leighton right now, you are welcoming this morning your new lead pastors, Steve and Sarah Opie, and they are amazing. Can we just give it up and welcome Steve and Sarah? I'm so excited for you guys. It's a moment when you are taking on the challenge of loving Leighton. But Steve and Sarah aren't gonna do it on their own, all of you are going to be involved. I'm so excited. In a few weeks' time, on the 3rd of October, we launch a new 4.30 p.m. service in West Ham for the people of Newham. And maybe you live in Newham, and you're like, I want to get involved. Maybe you don't live in Newham. Maybe you live in, like, Heathrow, but you can, like, get to Newham on the 3rd of October. It doesn't matter where you are. We're as a family trying to build something that's going to impact neighborhoods. And so we launch a new 4.30 service led by Cy and Chloe Nichols. It's going to be absolutely brilliant. Maybe you can't be here this morning. You're watching this on Catch Up because you do kids' sport on a Sunday morning. We wanted a service that's just like this on a Sunday afternoon so you can get there. It's amazing. Just 10 minutes from Stratford in the middle of Newham. So can I encourage you? Maybe you want to come and help at that. Maybe you're online. You're like, I've never even been to church before. Come on the 3rd of October and be part of launching a new chapter. Because here's the deal, we're trying to work out as a team, as a church, as a community, how we can care for as many people so they would know they're loved. That's why we run Lighthouse. Lighthouse 
has been the craziest thing. I mean, maybe you know this, but we started giving out food from the door of the church three years ago, feeding people a meal, sitting around a table with them, loving them. And since the pandemic began, we've given out in the last 16 months, you've given out as a community, over 420,000 meals now. Isn't that just insane? Can we just give thanks to God for a moment for that? That's not normal. And hey, I'm not trying to impress you with numbers. What I'm trying to communicate is every one of those meals, somebody's tasting, being fed, seeing that God is good, that Jesus loves them. That's why we run connect groups. You know, nobody needs to sit at church on their own. We have a family. We have groups that you can sign up to. This Tuesday, you can be in a group where you'll feel welcomed and at home. I want to encourage us as a community to love one another to care for one another. And then the third thing I believe Jesus is saying to us is this, to lead with love. Right now, the world is in a huge crisis. You don't need me to tell you this. A pandemic, climate crisis, poverty, racism, nations collapsing into chaos, disunity and division, racism and hatred at every level of society. Above all, it's a crisis of leadership, right? And notice that Jesus says this, feed my lambs, care for my sheep, so that you can feed the sheep. Verse 17, Jesus says, feed my sheep. The point is this, you don't stop feeding something when it comes to maturity. That's the moment you really start to invest in that person. So they might lead with love. I want to encourage every one of you here that you are called to lead. Now is the moment to lead with love in your workplace, in your community, in your family, here at church, in one of our crews. Find somewhere where you can lead out of a place of love. Now you might say, you know, I just need to sit on the back row for a few years. Well, that's fine. (laughs) We will love you and pray for you. But you'll have a lot more fun if you start to lead, you just see God do crazy things. You may say, well, I'm too young to lead. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm too inexperienced. Well, that's not true. In fact, that might be a bonus. Jesus seems to pick teenagers to change the world. I was watching Emma Raducanu last weekend. I don't know if anyone see that tennis match. It was so fun. Emma Raducanu, by way of context, a British teenager, totally unseated, unqualified, never played at a final of a major tournament. In fact, first time in history that anybody ever played in the final of a major tournament who hadn't been like a professional, qualified, all this stuff. She arrives, a teenager, and just before the final, watched by millions, hundreds of millions of people around the world, the interviewer asks her, so, you know, all this pressure, millions of people watching you, the first time ever an unqualified person is standing in the final of a major tennis tournament. What does it feel like to carry that pressure and that expectation? And I love what she replied. (laughs) She sort of laughed and she said, well, is there any expectation? She said, I'm technically a qualifier. So technically, on paper, there's no pressure on me. You know, I love that. Jesus has qualified you to lead. On paper, there's no pressure. There's no expectation. Jesus is the vision. It's all on him. And that is so liberating. For freedom, Christ has set us free. 
You know, the world is just waiting to see with bated breath what God will do when you start to lead, not out of duty or obligation or pressure, but out of love. History belongs to those who lead out of love. And that means every one of us, young and old, black and white, old-timers and first-timers, Jesus is calling us. You know, I'm going to be honest with you. For too long, the Church of England has looked like me. Male, pale, and stale. It's true. God is raising up a new generation of leaders who are going to carry the beauty of diversity into the highest places of leadership. It's already happening. I'm so excited watching some of our young leaders emerging, watching what God's doing in them. I want you to know that we are 110% committed to seeing people flourish here. Every one of us. It's not about a platform. It's the opposite. You want to be great and lead in the kingdom of God? You've got to learn to help others. Give yourself away. You know, I don't want to single out anybody, but one of my favorite leaders in the church is Beverly. Beverly is standing at the back there. Beverly, come on forward. Come on. We love you, Beverly. Beverly's on the door every Sunday. Come on, Beverly. Just come up here, Beverly. Come on. So we can see you in Leighton. Leighton, you need to get yourself a Beverly, is what I'm going to say. Now, I hadn't planned to get you up here, Beverly, so I hadn't warned you, but Beverly is a bishop in the church of God. She's a leader. Why? Because she leads by example. She stands in the front door here. And I've got to tell you, probably on your life, Beverly's ministry is having more impact than my ministry. And I've got a microphone and a platform, okay? I want to encourage you to be more like Beverly in Jesus' name. Okay, Beverly? Amen. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> Beverly's never going to talk to me again now. I hadn't planned or warned her that I was going to do that. But, you know, I, I want to encourage you to give yourself away, to encourage others, to be the best version of yourself, bring your gifts, to love one another. We're in a season where I believe we're going to be called to give ourselves away. You know, we've got this um, little event we planned uh, in November 19th and 20th, and this started as an idea called Renaissance, just to gather churches from around the world to encourage them to be all they could be creatively for God, that every church would be a cathedral of creativity. And something's happening. You know, literally, I get phone calls every week and messages that pastors all around the world are flying in to be with us for that weekend. Church leaders from across Europe, America, around the UK, people in business, in the creative industry, in the arts, uh, people who are making uh, incredible impacts in science. They want to be part of this. And, and I think this is really exciting because I don't know what we're going to do that weekend. We've got to figure it out. But what I know is God has a heart for people who want to make a difference in the world, who want to help innovate new things. So we're just going to gather a bunch of leaders. We've got amazing people coming to speak. John Tyson from New York. Ez Devlin, the amazing artist who did the chapel on the way in. She's going to be contributing. Laquena, who's a member of our congregation. Amazing street artist, young. I guess she's like the most inspiring young black artist in the UK right now. And she's going to be speaking about that and creativity. And she's going to be amazing. EJ Henri Courier of Apple, one of the senior directors at Apple, talking about faith and the tech age. And even Jen Jamie, who is over here. Jen, would you stand up? One of our church wardens. Jen is going to be speaking. Now, Jen, uh, Jen heads up communications for 
the world's largest search engine. I'm not going to say the name, but Jen is an amazing inspiration. And uh, we're just excited to see what, what we can learn. I want you to be there because I don't want you to miss out. And I've got to tell you that the people are booking in. It's not very expensive to come. If you want to come and help on a crew, I think you get to come and, and be part of it anyhow. But we want you to be in the room when it happens, okay? So make sure that's in your diaries. And then the other thing that I'm really excited about um, is work life. And this is launching in Shoreditch uh, in a couple of weeks' time, 10 days' time, 29th of September. And again, John Palmiter, would you stand up? John and Toby Thomas are heading this up, and uh, they're amazing. No, don't sit down again. So the plan is to, to gather and encourage people in their workplaces to, to, to really go for it for God and live well. You know, most of us spend most of our lives, if we work, in a workplace with people. And that is the place God has called us to do ministry in. And I'm so excited. Toby Thomas and, and, and John are heading that up. And it's going to be a great midweek service uh, in the middle of the day to gather together and just encourage people right in, on the edge of the city in Shoreditch. So if you can get there near Liverpool Street on a, on a Wednesday uh, at lunchtime, uh, 29th, come be part of it. It's going to be worship, an hour long, really short, bring a sandwich, worship, encouragement, teaching. And I think it's going to have an impact on our work lives. So uh, can I just encourage you? The point of what I'm trying to say is it's a time to lead with love. Wherever you are, lead with love. Lead with love. You can play your part. Join a crew, sign up, get involved, get stuck in, because you're called to lead out of love and see what happens. And then final thing that I believe God is saying to us today is to follow Jesus. Follow me, Jesus says, verse 19. Look at that with me again. It's the most important scripture we can hear. It's the call of Peter a second time. Follow me. You know, I want you to know that as a church, we're going to be all about Jesus. It's not about this or saint. We care passionately about Jesus. You know, we're in the Jesus business. That's what we do. We're here for him. We're not here to build a church. God will do that. We're here to love God and love each other in Jesus' name. And Jesus will take care of the rest. By the way, one of the things Jesus says to Peter is, Peter, hey, don't worry. It's my church. I will build my church. You just got to turn up. And I believe today God is recommissioning you and I after a long winter, 18 months, pandemic, I believe he's recommissioning you and me to be with Jesus again. Not to do for Jesus, but to learn again what it means to be with Jesus. Don't, don't get me wrong. You know, faith without works is dead. If you signed up for the kids' rotor and you don't turn up next week, it's going to be like kids rioting over the road. So please honor your commitments. But I believe as we learn to be with God, God will build his church. God will break our hearts for the homeless, for those in need, for nurturing young people. God will encourage us to give ourselves away, but we've got to learn to be with him again. And that's why we're setting aside time this term to pray. This Wednesday night, in fact, if you're around, we're going to gather in here. We're going to get rid of all the chairs. We're going to put the worship in the middle. We're just going to worship Jesus. No agenda and pray seek his face as a community praying that God will provide praying that God will do what only he can do that's why we gather each Tuesday morning for our rhythms prayer meeting and you can find out all the details online in person we're going to pray and intercede 
for the city in this season. Can I encourage you, if you're someone who loves to pray, would you pray like never before in this season? You know, I believe we're in a battle. We're in a battle for the heart and soul of our generation, that we wouldn't let our generation die by the sides of the road of apathy, of disconnection, of isolation, of alienation, that we would fight for unity, for life, for hope, for beauty to rise from the ashes. And that's going to need prayer. And that can only happen when we come close to Jesus. You see, Jesus says to Peter, look at this. He says, do you love me? The more I've been thinking about this week, I'm like, that's it, isn't it? You know, Jesus doesn't say to Peter, do you like me? (laughs) Do you know about me? Would you tick the box on the survey of like, are you a Christian? Well, yeah, I think so. You know, God's not looking for fans. He's looking for friends. Love is going to be your superpower in the next season. And we can only love when we receive love from Jesus. We love because he first loved us. When you come close to him, it leads to intimacy with God. There's one thing I want to encourage you with in this season. is learn to develop a close heart-to-heart relationship with Jesus. Because he's saying to you today, do you, do you love me? Would you let me teach you what it means to be loved so that you can love others? And when we have an intimate relationship with God, heart-to-heart, face-to-face, no masks, no pretending, here are my hurts, here are my habits, here are my hang-ups, when we get to that place with God, God is able to love us into freedom in a powerful way. It leads to breakthrough and transformation. You know, if I'm honest with you, that's why if we do one thing on a Sunday, I want us to gather and worship him. Could you come and worship him? Could you light the fire, the furnace of praise in this place? Because when we lift our hands and our hearts and we worship Jesus in Leighton or wherever you're watching us, something changes. Jesus walks in the room. And that's why we make space at the end of the services like we will do on Sunday to wait on the Lord to allow the Holy Spirit to fill you. You know, we live in an ADHD culture. It's a sort of TikTok scroll through stories culture of like onto the next, onto the next, onto the next. Well, Jesus wants you to wait on him. Let me tell you who's really good at waiting. Your iPhone is really good at waiting. Your Galaxy, your Samsung, whatever you plug in tonight, that phone doesn't move for eight hours because it knows that it needs power. That's one habit we're all good at. Could you come at church and could you wait on the Lord? Could you connect again with the Holy Spirit? And try it. Let's see what happens when you make space to say, here I am, Lord. Come and fill me. Watch what the Holy Spirit will do in your life. That's why we're going to make space. Now we can to pray for another, to allow the prophetic to stir up, to allow the ministry and the power of the Holy Spirit to move in this place. Because we believe that that's Often in my life, that's been where I've been transformed by God. It's not been the platform or the hype or the like the the bright lights. It's when I'm on my knees just saying, Jesus, I've messed up again. Would you help me? And Jesus comes and he wraps his arms around me, takes me off the beach, and I'm dripping wet sometimes. And he says, Come, there's a fire you can stand by. There's food for you. I say, Look, I've messed up. Three times I said, I didn't know who you were. Look, come. Do you love me? Come eat. Jesus wants to do that with you today. 
If you take one thing away from this morning, it's that the vision of our community as a church in this moment is to bring hope to the people of East London by you and I reconnecting again with Jesus. You know, the world is desperate to see what it's going to look like if a generation come out of the pandemic full of the Holy Spirit, full of the love of God, full of hope and power and strength that comes not from hype or Instagram, (laughs) but from the Holy Spirit living in you. This week I was um, at one of our church locations and we were gathering some people to pray and, and give thanks and just kind of start the doors opening again. And I was standing outside the church and um, welcoming people. And this guy walks past and like I could see as he walks up to me, he's just visibly really in need of help. Tears falling down his face. And he sees me and he says, are you part of this? Pointing at the church. And I said, yeah. He said, please. He grabs my hands. Please, is there a priest I could talk to? I said, well, I'm a priest. <laughs> Until someone better comes along, I'm all you got right now. Um, and then he just started to pour his heart out to me. He said, look, uh, we don't live that far. And we walked past this church. And I wondered if there's anyone here who could pray for me and my family who could help us. We're desperately in need of prayer. I'm not sure what his background and his story is. I don't know that he's necessarily someone who would go to church. I, I suspect not. And he just said, I'm desperate. I'll try anything. I need help. I need help. I've heard that Jesus can help me. And he held on to me. And as he's talking, he was weeping. And he said, please, he begged me. He said, please, can Jesus help me? I've got to tell you that moment, I'm sitting there while standing outside the church in the street in daylight in the middle of East London, and I'm like weeping with this guy because there are millions of people like that out there, right? It's not just him, it's me. I'm that guy half the time walking around saying, could Jesus help me? And so we prayed for him and he prayed for me and I got like, he got tears on my jacket and I got tears on his jacket and you know, I said, would you come to church on Sunday? He was like, yeah, am I allowed to? I was like, of course you are. Maybe he's watching this right now. The point is this. You know, we live in a moment where we desperately need Jesus. But the church doesn't need programs or performance. We just need Jesus, right? What the, the world is longing for right now is to know that there's a place they can come where they're going to meet Jesus, drawn close to his heart, fed, recommissioned, sent back out into their work life to walk with him. And you know, this moment when Peter is recommissioned, I believe is significant for you and me today. I believe in this moment, God wants to recommission us. God wants to break our hearts again for the millions of people around us who are longing for hope, who queued up for vaccines and for food. But what they're deeply longing for right now is that Jesus would walk into their lives. So that's vision, right? We can all go home, right? (laughs) Point is this, I believe that the Holy Spirit today wants to recommission you, that there's a fire in this room right now, that the bread of life is here, that he's saying, do you love me? Well, hey, I'm going to send you again. That the hinge of your next chapter is this moment when you say yes to him. And we'll look back 
in the years to come and say, wow, Lord, thank you for all that you've done. Thank you that you walked in the room that September morning in Hackney, in Leighton, wherever you're watching this, and you called me back to love people in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's talk. If you'd like to find out more, give or connect with us, visit our website, saint.chat. Have a great week and we'll see you soon.